And that's something too, where as women too, we can disrupt these masculinity mm -hmm. uh, narratives that are just like permeating, like, oh, you need to shame her. You need to go back and tell your boys and make fun of her. Like all of those things we can disrupt and we can like teach them to have that empathy and compassion. <laughs> And welcome back to Herspective and happy day after International Women's Day. But obviously we had to call that out today. It's only one yes. day after and it's such a big day. Yeah, it is such a big day. And it's like for our podcast and our theme and everything that we stand for, like our national day. So <laughs> we Absolutely. can keep that momentum going past just the Monday. <laughs> well, I mean, really every day should be. Yeah national or international women's day a day to celebrate being a woman celebrating women as a whole i mean we are just an incredibly amazing species but um it, it it's just a good reminder to take a minute and be thankful for like yourself and you know be proud of yourself or whatever you've accomplished and the other women in your circle and your network in your life whatever it may be like just kind of take that second to reflect and be like holy crap like I'm surrounded by such incredible women and I'm a badass babe myself I love how you said celebrate yourself too because all day like I've just been texting my girlfriends like happy international women's day you know like I celebrate all of you like all the ladies in my life my family my mom everyone all the all of us girls and then but I didn't once for one second stop to think about me <laughs> which is you know yeah, typical women's behavior we always think about other people but I like the idea of also being like okay wait a minute the reason I am celebrating is this this is because I'm also a woman I'm also doing things to be proud of and you know go girl absolutely I celebrate you for sure and I celebrate me I mean we both should be proud of so much and just happy to be a woman I mean there's a lot of shit that I'm like oh god I wish I wasn't a female some days I think we've all been there but yeah like today, once a month when our periods yeah. come <laughs> <laughs> probably more than once a month but um today is a good day and today I do look at it from like nothing but positivity and just think like holy shit like women are so amazing like just really stop and think for a second and you're you'll blow yourself away by yourself and by anybody any female that you know that you look up to and admire and just especially like the change makers also and I mean the women that we have on our podcast like so many of them are change makers and the fact that we even can do this podcast and hear the voices of such incredible ladies that we are so lucky to chat with I mean we always are toting like how awesome our guests are but it's important too because we really mean it and we really love chatting with them and are really truly grateful that they want to chat with us yeah, and you know, having all these women on here, we talk about it all the time because it is so true how happy we are to have them and learn from them and everything that our guests do for us is empowering and inspiring and we are very lucky and I love that we have a place for people, other women to go and men, should you want to learn and we do encourage that. Um, <laughs> like We really encourage yeah. that. <laughs> and, exactly. Um, you'd be better. But anyways, a place for everyone to go to really like 
learn all this stuff. And we always encourage our audience to hit us up with some suggestions and things like that. If there is a a particular woman that you haven't heard from or, you know, a theme for us that you haven't heard from from us, we probably are interested in that as well. So let us know. We're always open to those suggestions because we want to keep our, you know, strong women uh, guest roster going all year, every year. So yeah, definitely. I mean, we're always, always interested in excited to get feedback from our listeners our guests anybody uh it just helps us get better and it it shows us that what we're talking about matters and people are really engaged and we love hearing from our listeners so much like i mean dm us with anything because it makes us excited to keep going and know that maybe we are having an impact on other women's lives and answering questions that they didn't want to ask um so it, it it all just like empowers us and like you said Jess inspires us and we get it we get like so excited about it and and it just pushes us to seek out more awesome women that have awesome things to say and yeah always teach us something and we have such an awesome episode just about that (laughs) today and before we get into it Jess why don't you shout out our amazing female sponsors Yeah, so of course we want to thank our sponsors. First, thank you to VitalityMD. Guys, don't forget to use promo code HERSPECTIVE100 at VitalityMD.com to book the OSHA or the Viviv treatments. Again, that's promo code HERSPECTIVE100. And we also wanted to thank our sponsor, House of Hyla, for supporting HERSPECTIVE. Again, House of Hyla has the most amazing monochromatic pumps. As you guys have heard, we love to go on about them. So don't forget to use HERSPECTIVE20 promo code at checkout for 20% off your first order of any Generation 2 purchase. Yeah, two amazing female-owned and operated businesses right there. So take advantage of those coupon codes because you're going to get some good stuff for it. Um, so yeah, moving right into the episode, we have an incredibly amazing woman on with an extensive resume. Um, we are going to be chatting with Sabrina Razak. She is, first of all, a mother of two boys, but she is also an educator. She is a researcher and she is a soon-to-be doctor. She is taking her PhD in kinesiology and health science with a collaborative specialization in women's and gender studies. I mean, that is a total mouthful, but so interesting and so amazing that she is dedicating so much time to women and gender studies. I mean, it's so important and we need more and more women educated in that field to continue to speak for the larger group of women. Yeah. And quickly before we um, hop in, I just wanted to point out as as Sabrina does when we talk to her, but she is doing this PhD like later in life, mid career. Honestly, that it is never too late to pursue your dreams and to, you know, advocate for women out there. Yeah, absolutely. She is just continuing to expand her life and her knowledge. And I mean, she's also heavily active in developing programs and curriculums and large scale events that promote like the fusion of sport and culture. So there's a big focus for her around women in sports, culture and sports, um, the intersections of media, race, gender, class and culture. Um, And she 
is doing that as the lead for the OUA Anti-Racism Research Project. So she is just like all over the place doing amazing things and helping to educate and expand our minds and again just like fight for women and their rights and and be there as just a badass babe so without further ado welcome sabrina welcome sabrina you are a researcher educator and soon to be doctor that's very exciting we're so excited to talk to you Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much for being here. And we thought, who else would be more fitting for our day after Women's Day episode than somebody who is so well-educated in, well, not to mention you are a woman, but so (laughs) well-educated in these things. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your your doctorate will be in? Sure. Uh, You know, Growing up, I think I wrote, no, I know this for a fact, I wrote in my high school yearbook that I want to inspire girls to and young women to take up space in physical education and health. And it was like always in my, or it was always orbiting. So I was involved either within education spaces or sports spaces or health spaces. So the fusion of all those three kind of came, you know, mid-40s when you're like having a little bit of a midlife crisis and like, okay, let's do a PhD. Why not? So I just, why not? not, Right. Because (laughs) it's so easy to do that when you, when you have uh, two kids, a hubby and living in the suburbs. Right. So I should have said, and a mother. So yeah. 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 So I decided to uh, apply and I'm in now the department of kinesiology and physical education, and I'm doing a collaborative specialization of women and gender studies. Because I still am curious and have those questions around how women are included in health spaces and how they're not included. And also looking at um, equity deserving groups and how we can make them, how can we, how can we make those spaces more equitable um, and ensure that their experience is, is, is better than what it has been. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. That is, I'm, I'm a little speechless and very much in awe. <laughs> also a little like, what? <laughs> there's you, there's a lot going on there. But yeah, no, that's, I, okay, let's start off the beginning. I love how you said you want to, wanted to make, what, ha- women have space? Take up space. Like, it, you know, I'm an educator. So then, and you probably, if I were to, you know, if you were to take a poll of, your listeners and even yourself of your experiences in gym classes, you'd probably get a pullback saying that they weren't that great. And you probably would get also people coming back saying when they or women coming back saying, you know, at recess, the basketball nets weren't for us. The fields, boys played sports and we were regulated to the sidelines, watching, cheering on, playing skip rope or chatting. Uh, and those invisible barriers are there and they are still there. Right. So, so and then you go out to parks and you go out to those spaces and you still see outside predominantly boys playing in those outdoor spaces. You still don't see girls in the courts. You still don't see girls um, as much as you as you see boys there because they're still more welcomed and and girls are still because of a whole host of reasons um, not feeling comfortable to take up those spaces. That's actually something I haven't thought about in probably forever um i mean i'm <laughs> since I'm an, we had recess <laughs> yeah actually i i mean jesse and i are both athletic we 
play we played and I mean pre-COVID of course too but growing up I played a number of sports soccer pretty much my entire like youth and into my teens and then I played field hockey I swam I pretended like I could play ice hockey for one season in high school (laughs) that ended quickly Uh, we play volleyball but at recess I do seem to remember not actually really playing any sports um and and certainly never being asked to participate if the boys were playing and um yeah I do think like in gym class I I didn't have like a terrible experience I do feel like the schools I went to like were equal in what they taught both genders or like the games they played but where I found some inequality is more of like trying to help females get better at a sport. Like if you weren't already a superstar in something, and I'll use volleyball for example, I'm 5'2", so I'm not reaching anything, especially not a basketball net. I don't recall my gym teachers or the coaches in school trying to help encourage that growth. Like it was like, sorry, you didn't make the team. And that was it. Yeah. Well, we went to an athletic high school. We went to yeah. where they had an athletic program. Mm-hmm. So kids would come from all over the city to, to get into our athletic program. But in gym class, I would literally put my sweatpants over my jeans because I just was literally not participating. I didn't even need to change. <laughs> That's how it was for some of the students at this athletic school. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little different what, spectrum there. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think now what has excited me the most is that women are now there's been such a shift when it comes to fitness and health and women and that's what i i truly do and i'm excited to see where there's a bit of a rejection of the gym the historic gym culture which still does predominate and covid has really magnified and exploded the the industry so much of women um finding spaces and communities online um especially for women of color and black women uh, as well. And I think that that is something that is of interest of, uh, to me too, to think about say the soca size or the Afrofusion dance classes. And then you see um, women of color forming, forming their own running groups and hiking groups and, and, uh, and online with this explosion of, of communities as well. So I do think that is something that um, has been really, really important um, that's been carved out because you know you go into the gym and and right away as women are they're judged for what they're wearing they're judged and they're automatically known not to to have any knowledge of weights or or working out so you know i'm i'm really really grateful for those spaces and those women who are taking the lead and and um just having different options for, for women and it doesn't have to be sports and it doesn't have to be you know you're an athlete or you're not like everybody's an athlete um and even though you might not think you are there is something everybody can move their body so I'm really into this I'm really into the, the term like hum, human movement and movement of your body it doesn't necessarily have to be a sport and that's a really good point too because I think we often forget that fact like you said it's not an athlete or not an athlete you can move your body, you can be physical, you can do exercise of some sort that works for you in your body. And also going back to going into gym class, 
judge for what you're wearing and then immediately judge for like your body already too, right? Like, are you fit? Are you not fit or what's considered fit? And that in high school can be detrimental. And that's like an area that I would hope, I mean, I've been out of high school for a long time, but you're an educator in that field. And I hope that that's changing a lot because that's scary. I didn't have co-ed gym class until I think it was like almost the end of high school so it was females but even still it was like other girls judging other girls right and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then add the boys in the mix that was a whole other like set of yeah, concerns and set of issues and set of shame yeah yeah you couldn't like do any like you'd feel self-conscious if the guys are there you didn't want to shoot the basket you um, didn't want to try and um in case you missed or yeah silly doing exactly or if you did try and you didn't succeed then you're just like well i might as well you know jump off a cliff at this point i wonder when when it became like you know when you're younger and you just play like you just run or play when does it become like not cool to to do that in gym class Research does show that the cliff, like there's literally a cliff that women just dive and stop participating. And and it and it's like that cliff like grade nine, day one. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's nine to fourteen. And if you can remember when you were nine to fourteen, it's that that rejection of everything that your body's going through and you're so self conscious, you're going through all these changes, you hate your body, you're wondering what it means to be a girl. And you're also exploring all of the gender identities and gender expressions on how to be. So, and then you get a lot of messages of, you know, what, the expectations of being a girl, the expectations of, of being desirable. And I've come into this debate and I, uh, you know, I, I welcome this um, opportunity to pose the question to both of you is, do you think that women can be pretty and powerful? 1, and I asked, oh, we definitely agree with okay, that. So, and that. I, okay, so, <laughs> and, and I know, I've, and we of are. course, the, the immediate answer is, is of course, yes. And the reason that I pose that question is that as, as the, the ascension of women and they become more powerful, the ones that are strikingly beautiful and the ones that are, are viewed and evaluated as beautiful does their power then diminish because of the obsession of their looks and if we look at the examples of women who are extremely pretty in the eyes of others and i'll use the example of sports i don't know if you remember the tennis player anna korvakova oh yes okay so actually the first thing that would come to mind is how pretty she was Right. Okay. And so. And she dated Enrique Iglesias. She did. And (laughs) right. So she's an extremely powerful tennis player. Now she never won a tournament. Okay. She did get top five, top three, but she never won a tournament, was never in a final. But uh, even if when you go to, because tennis players have practice sessions in the practice courts before they go on and her practice courts would be filled with photographers and just because they wanted to get a shot and she was heavily sexualized in the media and her depiction and her, the talk about her athletic um, accomplishments or prowess, very minimal, which happens to the majority of female athletes on the whole. Okay. And then if you look at Serena Williams, okay. And Serena Williams rise 
at one point too, she was winning like an incredible amount of, of tournaments. Like she was mm-hmm. like trophy and grand slam after grand slam. But Maria Sharpova, who was Russian, um, she didn't win as much. She was this Russian goddess though. And she made way more money at Serena, despite Serena being more successful on the court because of her looks. And so I asked that question because um, like even like figures like that, what is what is taken up more and what are they known for? And can you escape that? So if you look at even Kim Kardashian, okay, what is she known for historically? She's known for the sex, sex tape. tape. But she's doing her law degree now and she's helping, you know, people who are wrongfully accused get out of prison. Can she ever mm-hmm. escape that? Uh, probably not, because especially when you're a reality star as well. So they're well, so many never years were her... also spent being that sex symbol and that rise to fame due to being infamous, kind of, right? And then well, that's she the, pivoted. Infamous is a good word for the, all of them. That's the thing. That follows them all around, right? All the Kardashians. Correct. Yeah, because really, what is their talent? They aren't known for any talents. Well, 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 that could be disputed. That could be disputed. The makeup. The fact that they're rich for nothing. Well, look at Kylie. <laughs> is a look talent. at Kylie Jenner and her makeup empire. Like the makeup empire. And then look at the. Yeah. So that's the thing. They're automatically reduced because their looks are purported. They're 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 now the sole focus, and it's hard. And I think it's also even harder for men. So if you look at even Cardi B, she tried to get on, well, she did in terms of getting people to vote, but she got slammed because no one thought that she had a right to be there. I didn't know that. Right? Yeah, me neither. No one thought she had a right to be there. She did an interview with Joe Biden for, I can't remember which magazine, and she was dragged hard. And the high school... What, for what? She, she had an interview with Joe Biden, and she was, like, encouraging people to vote and also trying to humanize him. But then she, people were like, stay in your lane. Wow. Rap about what you As rap in, about. like, she... Yeah, like, she doesn't... What do you know about politics? You're right. kind of like a, you know... I guess people would label her, like, you're a stripper. Like, what do right. you know? So that's what I'm saying. Can well, you... she's only a, an American citizen talking about voting for her American exactly. leader. But okay. Right. So that that's my question then. Can you be pretty and powerful? That is my question because a lot of times we're like, yes, Let's... own it, wear that bikini, and yes, you can do anything in that bikini, but can you? So the scales are always tipping, right? Like you can't have – if you're pretty – does the scale tip a little bit more because of you're pretty? But if you're powerful, will it tip a little more? Do you have to play down your looks to tip the uh, powerful scale up higher? I don't know. That's an interesting thing. Like, do men have that same issue, do you think? I think it's more along, not along the lines of where you, you're pretty, so you lose your power. It's like, it's the escalation. So, you know, when you're younger, like, the popular girls are are the pretty girls they're all like really pretty so they're popular so they're powerful but then does it get to a point where you're like too pretty and only people will see you for that and nothing more even though it used to be a strength of yours like so when does that stop kind of well again working to your advantage is it a strength is it a strength is being pretty so like for instance when you go to a job interview do you wear your hair up or do you wear your hair down 
It Do you wear on shorts? My mood. It depends. It depends. Sure. Are you going to, you have a certain look that you want to do for an interview, right? Like it's, it has to be a professional look, right? So that, so this is my, this is my like, you know, I'm grappling with that question right now because I think that, you know, as we say that we can be pretty and powerful as we, you know, we can dress how we want, we can say what we want, we can act out how we want, but can we, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. So how do we get to a point where those scales are equal? And is it something to do with who is voting, so to speak, on like whether a woman is considered pretty or powerful? Because I feel like in all of these situations, it comes down to education. And to be honest, women need more support from men. Men need to use their voices and their power to help bring women more to the table. Yeah, and so I I was having a debate um, with one of my friend's husband about Beyonce, and you know she she has that 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 um, song "Who Run the World," girls, girls. right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and he was saying he's like you know she's about female empowerment and this and that, but she's half naked singing her songs. I can never wrap my head around it and never support her. Interesting. Oh my god. And I so, don't know how to feel about that because. I think for Beyonce, first of all, we do have to remember, and I kind of wanted to get into this a little bit about women in media, public eye, celebrities, and like the portrayal of them, um, depending on, you know, who they are and what they do. But I think as it's easy to say as a woman, right? Like, well, I think Beyonce is amazing and look at her. She looks great. She's talented. She's killing it in her industry. Um, But the thing is, like, she is an entertainer. That is her job. Mm-hmm. So she's wearing costumes. She's wearing costumes that also she's allowed to choose. She de- she's, <laughs> she's allowed yeah. to wear. She is, and what I'm saying, a lot of men can't get past that. A lot mm-hmm. of men can't get past that. They will look at her and be like, "You're half naked and telling me you run the world as girls." No matter what, they're they're objectifying and then sexualizing her and saying that she cannot say that message because she's half naked. Did you tear that guy apart? <laughs> so this is a this is a guy who who is is in many eyes seen as a progressive, right? So that's what's hard is that, and then you know I I have two sons I don't have a daughter and and I have a niece but then Amen. you know so when you when you are when you having those conversations of like ah sure wear what you want you should be able to but then part of you is to like make sure you wear a jacket when you're walking home and you're and, and you're covered up because you know what's out there right so it's kind of that yeah we haven't left fully well we haven't left the mentality like we have but a lot of people out there haven't left the mentality of are you asking for it right. dressing like that right. you know which is the most disgusting like well that's the so problem it's a I, men's that problem is the worst it's not justification. our problem it is right? it like, is a men's problem but then what do you education. do so th- th- that goes back to education, but then you have, a, a, you know, if you have twin, twin boy and twin girl, and then I asked him, I said, so if you believe in women's right, women's equality, that means you're going to treat your kids exactly the same. And I said, so you're going to treat your daughter the same as you treat your son. He can't say yes to that. He just can't. I guess in what, depending on what we're talking about and how he's being treated. But, like, that's the thing. I, I look at that from the standpoint, and obviously I'm a feminist. I think we're all feminists here. <laughs> um, 
I mean, female empowerment for sure. And can I sit there and say, oh, I've never judged a girl for being cladily dressed or, you know, something. Yeah, but there's a difference if she's wearing a bikini to like a restaurant. It's just not appropriate in the same way that bikini can wear or bikini. Beyonce is wearing a bikini on the stage. You know what I mean? It's two different contexts. Yeah. And so it's one thing to be like what she's wearing is is like scantily clad, but it it works in that context. Some people aren't able to separate it, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I and for sure. And that's why I think it goes back to the education for men, um, women, too. But men is like we shouldn't have to dress or look a certain way because you men can't control yourself you can't look past that you can't the most infuriating (laughs) i really it is and it is and that but that's the problem right like that's what keeps women in this kind of like stuck spot because we're like okay guys we left that behind like quite a few years ago and there's that meme going around that's like just in case you didn't know women are supporting each other now it's okay it's okay just like join the club kind of thing um i've seen that a number of times and And so it's sort of like, dudes, like, we already, like, did all that. We're over it. We're all moving forward together. I mean, obviously not everyone, but um, a lot. And it's the men that seem like they haven't caught up because they are we are still being sexualized. Um, I mean, just look at any social media. So it's like where and how, as women, like, what do we do? How do we try and, like fix that or or educate them or help them like how do you think we're ever going to get on the same playing field because can we just be like we don't give a fuck what you think (laughs) like we're doing us now so go on do your own thing yeah we still have to live with them every day Yeah, we do and that 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 question uh the easy i don't believe there's an easy solution like i think we've come quite far along since the the Me Too movement as well, right? So when we think about what has shifted and what hasn't shifted, um, I don't know if you all saw the Framing Britney Spears uh, documentary. I just watched it last night it's, and I could go on yeah. about the injustices to this woman. Right. Let me, we already, we love Britney on this podcast, but the things that we saw were just yeah, so, infuriating. And if you look at the way that, you know, and then what even went viral after that was how David Letterman treated Lindsay Lohan about her mental health. And I don't know if you saw that clip. I it didn't is, actually. It is absolutely horrific. Like he is publicly, uh, like he's she's sitting on the couch and and the audience is in. You know, there's a full audience there, and he's making fun of her going to rehab. He's making fun of her having to having mental health issues, and she visibly was like, you know, trying to laugh it off. And in the end, like she's like wiping away tears. So there's, you know, and I, of course. yeah, that, so that conversation on mental health has shifted, but the, I think also with women and compounded with the sexuality, um, as well with Brittany, um, being sexually at such a young age, like someone asking Ed McMahon asking to, if she is interested in him being her boyfriend at 10 years old, right? Like it, she was a little baby. Yeah. So that, and, yeah. And that was not even the worst of oh, it. I like, know. when they ask her, like, are you a virgin? Do you think in the history of any male on male interview that ever they were asked, so are you a virgin, bro? Like, never. And she has to sit there and smile and laugh. And literally, I felt 
so sick for her like that feeling you know what happens all the time when you're walking down the street and men tell you to smile men tell you to do this and you just like you know when you're younger when you're in a position where you just have to smile and take it it's the most like oppressive feeling yeah no i know and that's and that's the thing like you saw justin Timberlake coming out with his statement 20 years later and but and you could but the thing with those statements is they are written by the publicist right they're so he has to say scripted yeah and then his wife and like this is where part of the issues come into is then jessica beale she's great she comes in kind of supporting him and it's like well yeah well well she's his wife right like you like i'm not gonna do what are you gonna do and he was like recently like also put on blast for he was making out with with a, a a black woman on the balcony and she got dragged but then black women came and supported her and then he was kind of like you know they come out smelling like roses and and then you get every time you get men that get that second redemption but the women don't no there's they, no second they just, chance. There's no second chances. You you look at so many, uh, you know, like even Tiger Woods, he got a second chance, and 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 he came back and won his Masters. But the women afterwards, I don't know if you saw the Tiger Woods documentary too. The women afterwards mm-hmm. is, you know, they don't get that. They don't get that, and that's why too. Like, um, the statement I had this conversation at at the dinner table with my son. I don't know if you all heard too. Um, Taylor Swift was was coming after Netflix. Yes. The and, and yeah. Right, the Ginny and Georgia. And then, you know, I, I asked my son, he's in he's in grade nine, I said, What did you think about that? You know, the comment on the show was like, Oh, you run through more guys than Taylor Swift, um, something like that. And yeah. and then he's like, yeah. Oh, they do it to guys all the time too, like, oh, you get girls like Drake. And I said, There's a difference in that. Yeah, that's you get girls like Drake is a high yeah. five. It is you're not yeah. put on a pedestal. One is being praised one is, and one is being dragged. Right. And 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 so and then he was trying to resist and then my husband came in and supported me and then he's like, No, it's not it's not the same, come all. Um <laughs> and so I did I did get that authority additional authority figure um helping him to see as well, right? But that's good. Yeah, so it's that acknowledgement of the it's really an acknowledgement of of the differences, and also now with Taylor Swift too, and like it is awful how they have treated her as well. And yes, she does get a lot of love. That's that's the thing that I think that women are now coming and saying, you know what, like time's up for sexual harassment, and um, I also think the time's up for for now the 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 way that we are perceiving women and the way that we are talking about women. Um, and, and I love how you're calling it sexual harassment and not a joke or, right. you know, whatever, because that is sexual harassment. And actually, Lauren and I, this has been on our minds lately. Um, and because something small happened and obviously a guy thinks it's a joke and he's laughing about it. And I'm like, you're so inappropriate. Like, you make me feel icky when you say shit like this. And they don't see that at all. Like if I if I brought that to his attention, there's just this random guy, like a stupid interaction. And if I brought it to his attention, like what you're doing is very wrong or inappropriate, he'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, chilly psycho." You know what I mean? It wouldn't be. They will never take responsibility or ownership for them being in the wrong. Right? It's immediate because you're not like outright raping me. He's not sexual. Even then, it's still like what's wrong? Harassing me. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that also it's exhausting for women. Like, sometimes, you know, when I do have um, confrontations with my husband and I'm 
And my mom's like, you gotta stick up, you gotta say something. I'm like, I understand, mom. And you know, 90% of the time, maybe as you get older, it might be a little bit less than that. It's exhausting. It's just it exhausting. Is. It is exhausting to for going your whole life and at any given age, different stages. I mean, I do, I can remember being younger, like in just sprouting little boobies and an uncle being like, oh, you're wearing a bra? Like calling that out. And I, I, he was a harmless uncle, one of my faves. He truly wasn't like a predator or anything like that. But that's the power that men have always had. Like it's acceptable for them to like basically embarrass you or kind of sexualize you and everyone kind of laughs it off or thinks it's okay. But like if I had said, oh, you've moved out of tidy whities and into boxers, like I I would never, I would just never say that. It would never even dawn on me. And like in your situation, Jess, like the experience that you had when the – that guy made that comment towards you, which was the Ikea, the guy. Ikea guy saying like, <laughs> oh, because you got a new couch. I'll tell the story for you. Basically, yeah. he said, yeah. oh, well, maybe this one will get you more action. He is doing you a service. That is a Awful. technically con- should be considered a professional environment. Yes, he had a helper there. So was he showing off for the helper or did he just truly think that that comment is acceptable? And you being a woman yes. in the home by yourself, having to be aware that you were by yourself. Like these are all little things that women have to consider and take on whereas a man never would would if you drop something off at someone's a man's home would it even ever cross your mind to be like oh well maybe that'll get you a little more action like what yeah no especially when it's a i'm expecting professionalism from a from a professional that you're paying and guy but then of course i have to consciously be like okay keep your mouth shut right now not something that I like doing or do typically but I'm like okay I'm by myself in my house right now and all I need to do is make sure I get that door locked behind them instead of being like bro say that to my face or you know what I mean like go Mm -hmm. and defend myself I have to be like (laughs) and laugh when really I just want to scream and I'm like shut the fuck up like don't ever say that anywhere near me or anywhere near any woman ever again you sicko like I hope you never get laid. You're disgusting. And like, that's how I felt. Tell us how you really feel, even Jess. Though it was such a, yeah. And even though it was such a small comment, and I've heard millions of things like that from men over my life, and but it just at that moment when I'm literally, you know, explaining about the de- defaulted couch that they're taking away, like, I'm expecting a professional response, and really I'm getting that. So I'm like, okay. And what you said, um, both of you, you touched on this, is, Men don't have to defend their power, it feels like, all the time. Mm -hmm. It's, like, exhausting. Men don't have to, in every interaction, like... They never have to apologize. They never have Mm -hmm. to take responsibility. They literally just go about it. Mm -hmm. And they they put the blame... They never have to walk down the street and be worried. Yeah. Or, like, anything. Mm -hmm. And they'll put the blame back on women, right? Like, if you react. Well, I was just joking, they'll say, or like, whoa, take it easy. So you Chill. you have Why to you manage so your emotions. Yeah. You have to kind of know how to react or not react. Um, you have to laugh the microaggressions off you or the like sexual harassments. But yes, you have like to smile. You have to smile mm-hmm. all the time because you're prettier. Did when you, you guys smile. for that? Yeah. yeah, like I I I was telling Lauren about that too, Alyssa Milano with the. Masculine, masculine harassment where for like tips and stuff they're trying to say put down put down your mask so I can see how much I, I want to tip you 
and doing all of these things, you know, no. like put your mask down so I can see if it's really worth it to get your number. Um, so that type of, you know, so COVID's like just it, given a whole other realm of well, opportunity. Of course they'd find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think that that's the, the, the different iterations. So now some people, some bosses are like, oh, we're not going to hire women because we're afraid of sexual harassment claims. So there's now this like, yeah, that's a good solution. There's a resistance. Yeah. There's like this resistance movement. And what we've seen, we've seen this resistance movement, like a bit growing too, where like even, um, you know, this is pretty dark, but you know, the, the van, the, what happened in Toronto, um, with the van killer as well. Yeah. The he, in- yeah. yeah. So like people who, it is a real fear for, for women who reject men and the consequences that happen, right? So that that that's still a real fear that's out there, and women still have that placed on on them, as well. I don't. It's. I don't think there's anything more entitled or pathetic or disgusting than an incel. Like, do you do you think that a woman owes you a damn thing? What the fuck? Like that's mental to me. That mm. and now they are like calling themselves something. I still say to my son, uh, you know, like if if um, you know, if girls are are interested in you and you know some, and how you do treat them is important to me. So like, it is still quite vulnerable for a, a young girl to go up to you know a young school age boy and admit her feelings or you know, ask them out or anything like that too. So how you handle that too is very, uh, it has an impact. So, and that's something too, where as women too, we can disrupt these masculinity mm-hmm. uh, narratives that are just like permeating, like, oh, you need to shame her. You need to go back and tell your boys and make fun of her. Like all of those things we can disrupt and th- we can like, teach them to have that empathy and compassion. And I think, you know, Lauren, you were talking about how we can, how we can um, change it. I do think starting from from young with how we raise our boys is imperative to to changing that that narrative and also dismantling um, some of these long patriarchy beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Burning down the patriarchy. I'm so glad that we have two moms of boys here. So at least we know four boys. Yeah are going to be good. (laughs) I mean, knock on wood for sure. And yeah, we have a lot of conversations at the dinner table, my husband very much included, um, because he is a supporter and he is an advocate for how to properly treat women and respect women. And I mean, it is, I think it's also different too. I'm certainly no wallflower. Um, I've never been so, but I, I have, I have friends, I've encountered many women that like don't stand up for themselves or are too afraid to rock the boat or kind of, you know, react or say something or express how they feel. Um, and that is part of what I talk to my children about, um, yes, having two sons and explaining that like, it's one thing to think a girl's pretty and that's nice and compliment her but I said when you decide that you like someone what else like my oldest son currently has a crush and he'd kill me if he knew I was talking about it but I said well what do you like about her and he said well she's got a great smile I really like her smile she has a big smile and I said okay well is she smart is she athletic like instead of going to is she pretty 
I want to know her characteristics. What are some really cool attributes about her? And so that's kind of like my approach in some ways. I mean, my sons are young. Um, we Well, Sabrina, you and I have one son of the same age and they're friends. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and then I have a younger and you have an older. So it's it, to me, it's because tr- even I, as a woman, I think sometimes we even default to, oh, she's so pretty, like right away, oh. right? And it's training myself too to help train them. Like that does not need to be the first thing. What like his and he does come home and he'll talk about some of the girls at in his class or in the school and like they're gymnasts and he's like, Oh my god, mom, I wanna learn how to do like a double backflips. Yeah, like these things. And I'm like, Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. And he'll be like, Oh, they're so strong. They're so strong. (laughs) And I'm like, Yes, they are. They're so strong. It's a very incredible thing to do and be able to have that skill and teach yourself and teach your body how to like move that way. And you need to be very, very physically strong. So like I really try and hone in on those things. And and that's exactly where it does need to start is with the parents. And poor moms, like women we we're burdened with so much we have to raise the right kind of man we have to Never know how ends. to yeah we have to know how to react to a certain kind of man we need to know how to hold our own we have to keep ourselves protected you can't walk down the street yeah. And just never think about like, and then you have to make where sure you, you raise it, raise the men properly. Exactly. If they behave inappropriately, like how are they raised? Where were their yes, mothers? Where were their mothers? Not where were their fathers? No, not where were their fathers? And there's a few things I think I'll say about that too, because you know we do put that pressure on ourselves. And you know I've been in staff rooms, um, and unfortunately the the measuring stick of good parenting, uh, the actual um, accountability measures, I, I think are unfair. Um, and you'll hear a lot of educators be like, well, that mom doesn't even read to her kid. And I just think that, and single moms get a huge bad rap and stigma around them and parents is mental and parents because they're 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 doing it, doing it. No, I know. And, and parents who also don't show up for parent teacher interviews or don't respond are also labeled as they don't care about their kids. So I think that we also have to, um, caution ourselves and placing the sole responsibility of the, the rearing on, on parents and recognizing that the outside influence, the heavy media influence, aunts, uncles, uncles, it, it's just impossible because we can't raise our kids in our bubble only in our house. So I just will say that because I do think that the misgivings and the often attachments that, that moms get to oh, how kids are behaving, it's, 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 um, it's hard to see. And, and I think that having more empathy and compassion about how kids are raised no matter what. Um, too. It's just, we all have a a part to play. And I just wanted to come back to about a couple of research studies of how women are talked to and and even um, within education as well. And they did, and we actually even got posters mailed to us as educators on how to talk to women. And they said too that educators will automatically comment on a girl's look um, more so, way more than, than, than young boys. So, and that's even outside of school settings. It's like, oh, you look so nice, nice hair, Um, you know, and those characteristics um, that are praised with girls. Oh, you sit so quietly. Oh, you follow the rules and oh, you did your homework and all of those things really um, embed into a girl's psyche. 
And that's why too they they have mm-hmm. they've done long studies to to even know that once like even high achieving girls in the workplace they don't end up doing as well because they are afraid to 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 take risks and then if they do something wrong or they do fail they're unable to handle it as much as boys do because boys are constantly getting that feedback constantly failing and then encouraged to try again so and I, I, would, a, I just wanted to question that too though is in that situation when wi- girls become women and they're in whatever kind of role that they're in um, professionally and you said that they don't do as well is that because they're also needing that praise to know that they can continue moving forward because if once you get to like a professional role your boss isn't going to always come over and give you a pat on the back right you're getting paid to do a job so you're kind of expected to do it um Whereas, and so then when you say like they don't necessarily continue to grow in their profession or they fail entirely, are they always seek, are we always seeking that praise? I don't know if it's praise as much as that is confidence, right? I think, I think it's linked. And they also said too, that confidence and they've done studies on confidence with many studies with, with girls and and young women and um, adult women and they found too that women don't have as much confidence as as males and we've all heard as men and we've all heard you know men will apply with half of the qualifications um but women won't and then it's also the ability to actually confidence is really the ability to believe that you can do it right and men Mm -hmm. will have that confidence even not knowing as many or not studying as hard and not do and then the women that do sometimes it's even tricking yourself and thinking, hey, I know this, I'm going to get it and I'm going to ace this. Like that belief can carry you leaps and bounds further than than studying and having that, that self-doubt. Well, there's two buckets yeah, there, you can see those. right? Like there's the imposter syndrome bucket and then there's also the fake it till you make it bucket. And mm-hmm. I've been in both 100%. And imposter syndrome is definitely a real thing that I've struggled with even still like and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman but because I don't really ever feel like I'm I'm not like on par not good enough but I still just feel like how did I even get here (laughs) I'm not 100% sure I know what I'm doing but I'm gonna try yeah they're refuting imposter syndrome now and they're saying that imposter syndrome really is just a mask for environments that are not welcoming enough for women and supportive enough for women so it's something that you really you know you have to question yourself and why like the imposter syndrome and the thinking around am i supposed to be here you're questioning that too because the environment really wasn't made for us no, a corporate yeah. environment really wasn't made for us. No. So is it imposter syndrome or is it the fact that they're not really built for us? Right? Like we're, mm-hmm. we're, we still get those stares, you know, when we, we, we are pregnant or we're dealing with issues. Like all of that still happens, right? So I, I, I don't know. I'm rethinking imposter syndrome a little bit. Well, now, now you've made of... me rethink imposter syndrome. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that mentality because, well, as you said at the very beginning, um, it's about taking space, like taking up space that you deserve in the in the corporations or in your own job. Mm-hmm. Um, Having a and seat you know, at one the thing table. that I found, mm-hmm. yeah, and so obviously, um, we know this at the beginning of this year, I just started a new job, which you know is is 
a hit to your confidence, you know, when you're when you're very brand new, you try to figure out what's going on. You don't know what's going on. So it's hard to like do the right thing all the time. And the one thing that I did, something that I always took with me every time I started a new job is I don't want to look dumb like because I'm I always have client facing roles. So I need to like know look like I know what I'm talking about in front of my clients. But this job, I just started saying, you know what? Just ask questions. If you don't know, they'll tell you. People love to talk about themselves. So instead of assuming like I knew everything and, and you know, like appearing really confident, I just be like, you know what? Could you just explain that to me? And that little tweak has gone so much further for me. And I feel so much more confident not looking confident. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's great. That's great. I'm reading a book called Think Again by Adam Grant. And it really says that one of the most empowering things you can do for yourself is admit that you don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's something that is an invitation to show your vulnerability a little bit. And it's also uh, a way for other people to to recognize that your humility and open to growth. So it's actually a a fan, Mm -hmm. a fantastic, fantastic. It takes a lot of pressure off your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And and Lauren, you know, what you were saying before, um, think about what, people say to, to women and, and how they're praised. And, um, and one of the other studies that they did was also around references and they compared the words used in uh, men and women's references and the terms intelligence and genius and hardworking showed up so much more in, in, in men's references and in women's references, courteous, obedient, and, um, you know, follows the rules. Those were words that showed up, um, and, and the difference, and that could make a difference between also getting into whatever school or getting that job as well is how they're how they're framed. So our Certainly. words do. If, if you're yeah. asking for a reference letter, and I, I I wonder if it matters if you have a male or a female boss and what they would write about you as a female versus a male. And depending on what the new role or a position that you're going for, they're seeking, if they're only seeing things like courteous and um, punctual and yeah. friendly, yeah. Yes. That, yes. you may be going for like a high power, high profile position like in law or something. And they need someone who is a shark. They need someone who mm-hmm. is super confident and aggressive almost. And, and if you're, if those words are not showing up, then... You know, mm-hmm. you you might not get the role because you're already and that's a whole have other a, like, can of worms. Though. Yeah, you have a, a X against you already for being a female. I do think that still definitely matters in in positions of high power. Mm-hmm. But that's already opening it. That opens a, a whole other can of worms. Is a shark as a woman. You know, a female boss versus a male boss. They could be doing the exact same role, or whatever. But people see it is entirely different. Oh, if you're assertive, then you're a bitch. If he's assertive, he's a leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is the language. Is still it's prevalent. Certain, language yeah. plays such a huge role. But it's the mentality. It's a mentality. It's the mentality about how you take in those things. The language feeds the mentality. Yeah. It does. And I also think, too, there is this quest and also struggle for women when they get in the positions uh, historically um, performed by men. Um, they have that struggle to perform like men. Yeah. And I think, is that what is that what we are aspiring then to be? Does women's equality then mean, or women and gender equity mean that we have the same rights 
and then we have allowances to act like men because is that is that what we are really aspiring to so you know and i know i I use a lot of sport examples um but when you say you know like the women's world cup the 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 u.s team beat thailand like 13 nothing and they were you know trolled for for beating them because they were like you didn't show good sportsmanship you know it's a women's game we're trying to troll the game you annihilated them and then and then these ideas the, the, the discourses online were like oh you know, would you be saying that if a male, if it was a men's team, etc. And then, you know, with the Women's World Cup, like it's the amount of goals scored that if it's a tie break, it's how many goals that you score that will determine whether or not you you go to the next round. So they wanted to score as much goals as possible. Was 13 necessary? Do you really need to? Do we want to aspire then to have some of those masculine traits that are toxic? So... That's that's it's, also it's the such act, a juxtaposition. Uh, yeah, like acting like a shark. It is, but the act- truth is, men, men and women are different. That's the bottom line. We do have certain traits that men don't. You know, women express certain traits that men don't typically express, and vice versa. Obviously, there are there's a spectrum. Obviously, everyone's different. But you know, on the whole, so I don't know if it's so much that we're. And this is my perspective. It's not that I would want to aspire to be like a man or express those masculine traits of power or whatever. It, it's more along the lines of I would like to – what I express as power to be respected as much. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's I the hard thing is carving out how you would conduct yourself in a role or women – like women conducting themselves in a role instead of trying to kind of fit this – mold of what the man has left and as we were talking something actually came to mind along these lines when we talk about if the roles were reversed right if it was a man's team would you harp on them for crushing another team no you wouldn't one of the things that I don't find is discussed a ton is um transgender right so let's use Caitlyn Jenner for example when she decided to be have a sex change, a full sex change, and identify as a woman, she's brave. She's confident. Good for her. Like, that must have taken so much. Bravery is the word you hear the most. And I'll say a few things about that because we actually just had a, a pretty deep discussion that shifted my thinking around um, transgendered uh, peoples. And I will actually put up this book, too, if it's called Seeing Gender. Seeing Gender. And uh, you can get it from the general bookstore in Toronto and online as well. But talking about different gender identities and gender expression, it is complicated. Um, and I also, um, I think that fitting in a box to an us, um, because of the, the, the area that I study sport, a lot of people will have, will reduce it to the reasons why women uh don't play sports or are not is because of biological differences which is actually actually not the case at all um it's access it's access so um with our biological differences and the amount of testosterone really has nothing to do with strength um uh when you think about it um and measuring it so i we have to i think that one of the way that our language too when we talk about roles and how women act as managers versus how men act too. I think that that is something too that I I would pull away from a little bit and, and because then we're also then putting in boxes how how men act and how women act as well. 
and try to resist them as much as possible, which is hard. Um, and with, uh, you know, when you think about the popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race, right? And I always say this, the popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race, would there be such a popular show if the opposite was, was going to occur? And that's where gender perform performativity is extremely popular, right? So when you are looking at everything that encompasses being a woman, the makeup, the style, the dress, and that being judged, this is where we still are, right? So people still love to judge women on that. So that's why RuPaul... Whether they're biologically there, it has women or not. Yeah, and like you don't see like the men walking on the runway and then, you know judging their contours it just doesn't it doesn't have that that currency as much as it has for for women so that's something that is you know that's still that's still where we are um well it's also like in the beauty industry um a lot of brands are starting to welcome men that i wouldn't necessarily Uh, label as transgender they're just men that enjoy wearing makeup um yeah and many of them are extremely skilled and um but the type of makeup that they're doing on themselves would be considered more feminine makeup like they for lack of better right. way to describe it they look like girls right it's very feminine um right and that's being welcome but where is there an opportunity for women to try and like take up space in what is typically known as like a man's world or a man's industry? And I think sports is like the biggest one, right? Like, Mm-hmm. I don't I would yeah, I don't even sure. know what a woman um, professional athlete makes salary wise, but I do know what the men make. And it's astronomically different and first of all most people don't watch female sports either like that's another issue so it's like it just seems like you know we're as as a female group we're welcoming um to anybody who wants to be part of it whereas like what would be considered like a man's group women aren't welcome still we're not allowed in the boys club still yeah, and no, that's it's interesting that you say that because even, you know, you talk about differences amongst women, um, and how you know if you look at the feminist movement, right, and how it started, it started by, you know, women demanding uh, the right to vote, right, and that that movement was largely white women, it was it was exclusively white women at the beginning, um, you know, and then as that transformed, uh, and you know you got the right to vote. And then with even the, you know, these, you know, the popular civil rights act and, and where you have racial minorities who in 1965, like Martin Luther King, part of the act was we want poor, segregated, poor, um, white communities to also have access to education. So they fought for whites to have education from lower income neighborhoods, the Black Panther movement, which is seen as, you know, highly, um, violent, um, I just recently watched the movie and he was, the leaders were intentional about including Latinos, poor whites, women held a strong leadership, held strong leadership roles within the organization. But that that's not really talked about, right? So, so the Black Panther movement was kind of like feminists, a group of feminists. Right, anyway. right. So it's, it's, but the way that it's framed, right? And I think. And, and who and then, dictates that narrative? Right. 
Who dictates all of our narratives? Right. So yeah. it's also what what's to lose, right? Because women are like white women. You know, when they started the feminist movement, the and you know, getting the right to vote. Then black women in the seventies saying, "Hey, what about us?" And and then you know, after that, it was like you know, trans. It was LGBT and all of that coming into the fray. And now, to even ask the question, you know, who are women? What is a woman? It's a complicated answer, yeah. right? Because there's you can't really you can't really answer it, right? Because now everybody's kind of uh, you know vying to to be noticed to gain their rights, and so it is. At the same time, you know, we are trying to form this collective, but there's so many um, uh, divisions that are occurring because um, people don't feel seen, they don't feel heard. So that's why I think now this movement of coming together. Um, and women, and even the term women sometimes is contested. It's hard to do. Um, and I think that we have to be intentional on, on broadening that definition of what it means to be a woman and on how you self-identify because the power of the collective to fight the patriarchy, the more, the more, more is needed, right? Mm. So um, the collective is, is much more powerful than, than sitting in, in our, in our silos and, and not, and, and also acknowledging by allowing me to have a piece of pie won't take away your slice, right. which is hard for people to understand. I love that you said all yeah. this, like, I mean, I know, um, this, you know, this week was international women's day, but you know, we really shouldn't be having just one day to, to highlight these things. And I love how you, you said that and, you know, I know for Lauren and I, that is something that we try to do with our podcast and, and what we do every week is to highlight that and celebrate that for women. So I do really appreciate you coming on and, and discussing that with us, especially for this day. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I mean, it's really great to hear someone who is like more educated in the field because yes, we all have like our opinions, our beliefs, like our value systems, what we subscribe to and where we think, you know, the problems lie and the solutions lie. But when you speak to somebody who has like actual information, who studied it and researched it and teaches it also, <laughs> it's it's put into a very different perspective. Like when you, even just like your comment about the Black Panthers and like, that is something I had no idea about. I, I would have, I do have the understanding that that group was a more violent group. Mm-hmm. And that's how they kind of like got their power mm-hmm. or won whatever rights that they were trying to win um, through violence. Mm-hmm. And they are very much positioned to that they were um, exclusively black. So I also didn't know that they were welcoming to other uh, minority groups. Oh yeah. So, you know, um, the black Panthers, they're known for being this violent group, but they were the ones who, who really created community health centers and started community health centers and breakfast programs and feeding kids, um, and feeding families, uh, of low income and also offering free education, um, and supplementing the education because during those times too, the education, the, there wasn't, um, equal access and also good education. So this is something that's not taught about because it's whose story, who gets to, to tell those stories. So that's something that we also have to be really intentional and in questioning how these truths came to be. I think that this year Absolutely. has taught us like how much we need to, you know, change from our his 
history and like especially everything in the states they especially need to you know like redeem their history and like i know what happened happened but there's just been so many mistakes and we can only hope that going forward i mean canada has a lot of their own mistakes obviously as well um but we can only hope that the more we get educated the better we'll be in the future right Mm -hmm. we have to just learn from our history for sure Mm -hmm. and and change the future or her story um, or, or her story that's right or her story <laughs> and her, on her perspective we're very much trying yeah. to make it her story exactly um, but yeah i mean i i i'm i'm very excited about the future um but at the same time for women um especially and and just for people for the human race um in a lot of ways because i do definitely see such good change happening and as we talked about you know moms taking a different kind of approach and role with their boys parents in general but definitely moms because I think as women in current society and the current times we feel more empowered to be able to have those conversations with our children and especially our male children um, to talk about you know the importance of respect consent um advocacy for your female counterpart like all of those things whereas Mm -hmm. I just I don't think that those were as popular conversations in the households 20 30 40 50 years ago and I I think that has a lot to do with um women us choosing partners that can support that as well so dads are are helping that as well it's not like the moms are you know becoming more progressive with how they speak to their sons and the, the dads are still back in the 40s and like Nope, that's your property. So at least we have the dads also, hopefully, <laughs> you know, being nope, good role that's models. that's your property. <laughs> that's how they fucking saw women. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the, um, that's, the, that's the origin of marriage, though. Yeah. Right? That is the origin of marriage. It really is. And, and, I mean, as someone who did not take their husband's last name, that actually is still a little bit of uh, – there's some contention around that in the he's trying to own you yeah i mean i don't i don't play it like that i'm just like quite frankly i'm too lazy to do all the paperwork (laughs) but um (laughs) but at the same time i i don't care like enough like i'm very happy to be married i love my life i love my husband um but it was also just like it it doesn't mean something to me the way I think it was supposed to, well, you were owned. You became someone else's property. That's why you took their name. You went from your dad to your husband. Exactly. Exactly. One man to um, the next. So maybe it was like subconsciously my little stand, taking a stand. I'm sticking with my name. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did too. But no, I, as I was saying, is I'm excited for the future. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of battles that are still being fought for sure and women still need to rise up and support each other even more and conversations like these need to continue to happen because there's so much education that still needs to be done so you know we need to talk to more Sabrinas and everybody (laughs) needs to you know just make sure they're getting the right information Mm because I think that is fueling a lot of like the bad fires is that it's the wrong information out there well I I don't Um, know I, I think it's just being open to seeing things differently you know, That's and true. and seeing and seeing a space because even you know when men will say, you you want to be so independent yet you still want me to, to do X Y and Z and we have to be honest that yeah. That's that's a tension that we have to acknowledge within ourselves. But they still want things that 
are considered, you know, female roles yeah, too. Yeah, like and I shaving think our it's legs. All about, that's what if. <laughs> yeah, that's not a role. That's well, just that's a, a female thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think I think that just being open to having these conversations is is important, and I also think that um, as as women and as we go through, we can evolve and we can shift, and I think that women have a a path of evolvement that men necessarily don't go through as much. Mm-hmm. So our, us they, us they and, certainly don't, and that and that's something that you know is a blessing and a curse, right? So. It's um, with men, they 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 don't have that. So it's they're limited, I think, uh, at, at certain at certain aspects of, of their perspective. I love you whispering it when you're in a house full of men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's something that I, I, I have to remind myself to. And I also have to remind myself that I have been very privileged of being able to acquire this information and be in the place that I'm in. So. Well, um, we're the privileged ones because now you're sharing it with us. So, <laughs> well, yeah, and a lot of people don't and know what listeners. they don't know. Yeah. yeah, they don't know what they don't know. So we're all on that spectrum of understanding. So that's something that I really uh, work hard at. And you know, when you get so in, you get fumed and you get so triggered at times, right? And you're just like, how could you say that? How could you do that? It's something where you just have to remind yourself too that, you know they don't have the perspective of being a woman. Um, and at times, yes, they should know better. And at times there is an accountability and there is no room for that. Um, so that's where to that, that flexibility and that um, space that we allow for those conversations too. We have to think yeah, about how sure. to handle it. That That's, that's going to be a challenge for me for a long time, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, I, I think though it's still men need to take more accountability in that and and that comes from the education too because like I think sometimes they just say things because they don't know they shouldn't and as and I and I that's also why I think and sorry I'm not going to whisper it but like women are kind of more superior in that way because we're just able to see everything with that open-mindedness and acceptance and and kind of evolve with it and work with it whereas I think men are pretty tunnel vision, right? A lot of them. I'm not, I'm not hating on men because there's so many amazing, amazing men out there that do advocate and support um, just equality overall. But I just think women, we have an advantage in that way. Like we're just, we're just wired differently, which allows us to like operate and see things differently. Yeah. And, and you know, um, it's the same. And we have the babies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, for yeah, me, babies. that comes down to a lot of it. Like the guys would never <laughs> be able to even just having a period once a, a month, they would never be able to. <laughs> if you're really if we're really going to like take yeah. it to that level. But I agree. Yeah. I 100 percent agree. And like my husband will admit he's like, that's like the like when I gave birth to our children, he was like, you're a fucking champ. Like I I don't even know like what just happened there and like how you did that and so I mean <laughs> that made me feel good. I'm like, well, I didn't really have a choice. That baby was coming out, but um, like, yeah. but I, I, you know, we champed through it. Yeah. So, I mean, on that note, I think ending it on we have the babies is kind of like the perfect place. Um, Sabrina, when do you finish your PhD? Well, I'm, I'm going to show up at your house with yeah. a bottle of champagne. 
Um, yeah, I'll have the banner across the sky with the plane. I finished. Um, <laughs> I am uh, a doctor. <laughs> so it, it te- in the technical sense, um, I'm supposed to be finishing 2022. Oh, amazing. So. so amazing. Well, I mean, this conversation was amazing. And we can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us, teach us, um, give us new perspectives and just have an overall like great conversation especially in light of national women's oh, it's day great to be here with you all thank, thank you, you so me. much sabrina all right take care thank you bye, bye. bye.